Hi everybody, so I just finished a video on um, populism and capitalism and all that and I realized that I one thing that I've always thought about because you know I follow YouTubers and podcasters including some obscure ones and I think that one of the main things is to know who you're listening to and the biases that they have. And you want to listen to people who are upfront about their biases, or at least I do. So I thought that what I should do is make a quick primer episode that will go up both on the podcast and YouTube channel. Where I kind of just talk about what my biases are. And I tried to do this in December but I think that I'm better prepared now in February. So I just kind of wanted to go over the whole political spectrum so that you kind of know the lens that I have and where I'm coming from. So I was thinking I could just go through issue by issue um, as they come up in my head. So, on economics, I am a typically, I'm a pro-welfare capitalism. If you really had to sum up my vision for the best, it, it's not what I consider a utopian economy, but I consider it the best achievable economic model is a welfare capitalist society. So that means support for companies, support for entrepreneurs, supply side support, so that you can take some off through taxes and provide it to the overall people, which is kind of the, so, you know, that's pretty much the, uh, standard like center left view of economics because i do think that there so the reason why i say that i'm a libertarian leftist instead of authoritarian leftist is because i believe that rights are something that you are born with instead of something that the government gives you that means that I approach a lot of issues from the perspective of the government can't provide you with the right to safety, for example, because safety doesn't exist in nature. So you don't you can't have a right to something that requires other people in order for you to have. Otherwise, you're saying that those people are you know, basically forced to or, you know, like dutifully bound to provide something for you. So 
that is why, for example, when they say healthcare is a right, I believe I believe in universal health care because I believe that it's affordable, achievable, and sensible and logical and efficient and makes sense. But I don't believe that it's a right. Because it's like, how could something that's not free be a right? That doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. The only things that can be rights are things that that you have. Such as the right to seek health care. That's a right. The right to seek health care is a right. For sure. If the government said you're not allowed to go look for a doctor, then they're infringing on your rights. But if they say that we're not going to give you a doctor for free, that's not infringing on your rights, in my view, because I don't believe in... I forget the exact terminology because it's been too long since I was in formal school, but I believe that it's positive rights versus inherent rights or some some phrasing like that. So. A lot of leftists in the United States, they don't believe in my view of rights. They believe that, for example, something like healthcare is a right. And that's because they believe that human dignity is a right. And that they believe this is what I'll just segue really, really, really quick into what like left wing Americans believe like why healthcare is a right in their view because human dignity is a right and if you're dying of a simple bacterial infection outside of a hospital in the richest country in the world just because you don't make enough money that is an infringement on your right to dignity but I mean for me at least that's the argument that's like the closest argument that I've that's like the most convincing argument for it that I've heard and that does make sense, but it's why I believe in it. I say I believe in universal health care for like just because I believe it's sensible, but I don't use the phrase that it's a right. So rights for me are sacred and you're born with them. So what are they? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot. It's anything that you can do anything at all. So the government in the United States, it takes away your right to power. And that's something that we all consent to. And we give power to the state so that they can enforce laws. But you don't have a right to go rob your neighbor and your neighbor doesn't have a right to come rob you. So you don't have a right to autonomy like to perfect to perfect freedom and that's part of the social contract that we have in this country and you're born into it and you so for me the bill of rights like all of those are sacred the freedom the right to speech the right to privacy The right, I think that the right to bear arms is better phrased as 
the right to defend yourself. Yeah. Because you don't have a right to safety inherently. Like, no one can, the government can't guarantee you safety, but the government shouldn't prevent you from seeking your own safety. Like, your own safety measures, like making it illegal to build a bomb shelter or something. It's like, why? And, um, you know, so you can't use, if you want to know my biases, I will never, ever, ever use aggregate figures or statistics to say that a right should be taken away. So the fact that the right to bear, this isn't even true, but let's say it was true that, you know, guns were used for murder illegal criminal murder more than they were used for defense. Even if that was true, that doesn't mean that the government has a right to take away something that can be used for defense reasonably. You know, like, obviously, you don't have a... It's like, so the government can take away your right to have a nuke or a machine gun, but they can't take away your right to have you know, a bat or a lock on your door. And it's all about where it falls. That's why I like, you know, a lot of the Second Amendment arguments. Like here in California, um, 30 round magazines were briefly legalized by a judge and everyone bought a bunch of 30 round magazines. And the reason why was because there was some, the judge heard a case where a woman was assaulted by a bunch of burglars and she was, and they were armed and she was armed and she had an AR 15 with 10 rounds in it. And she lost, she basically lost the fight or could have lost the fight because she had to reload so much. And a 30 round mag would have had her. They like proved that a 30 round mag would have had her win the fight or something like that. So what I mean is that I will never come at a right from the direction of aggregate statistics. I don't care what a right costs to society unless it's extreme. It has to be extreme. And so, guys, like, my view is just the standard American legal view, okay? So if you ask a judge, that's my view. People act like it's so out there. And it's like, well, that's how our legal system works. The cops can't just come and take stuff because it's bad for society. Including, guys, the Fourth Amendment. I think the Fourth Amendment has greater cost to society than the Second Amendment because it allows for so much trading of illegal things, including like child pornography because of encryption, your right to privacy. Your right to not have the police come in and search for evidence of abuse. Your right to not have the government come in and search your phone and figure out what you've been doing. That costs so much. Ask any law enforcement person or watch any mob movie and you'll see how much the Fourth Amendment costs us. And I don't care. And neither do our judges. And that's why we have those rights. It's the only reason why we have them. So that's my bias. That's the direction I come from in, in regards to rights. All of them, like I said. Even the third. You don't have a right 
Soldiers don't have a right to your home. So, and the fifth costs us a lot too. Guys, we talk about how expensive the Second Amendment is. The Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment, you want to know how much bad, you know, you want to know how much evil that enables. That's how, that that's the phrasing I'll use. Like, how much evil is enabled by the Fourth and Fifth Amendments is crazy to think about. You can look at any, you know, any rape case of, you know, like sexual assault cases, like um, uh, organized crime cases, basically anything where the criminal wasn't caught red handed and there isn't a video. <laughs> so. That's a good like segue. That's like my overall framework, you know, and. I don't think it's a libertarian. I think it's classically liberal. Um, because I feel like libertarians. Here's why I'm not a libertarian. I'll segue. That's like a two part of like why I am libertarian and then why I'm not libertarian. The reason why I'm not libertarian is because I do believe that mankind is born with a duty to society and that's and that's because i very much believe aristotle's opening words in the politics where he says man is a political animal and he who exists alone would either have to be a beast or a god so i don't believe in the idea of the self-made man there's no such thing the self-made man wouldn't even be able to talk who taught him english who taught him how to speak the self-made man would be like Tarzan. There's no such thing. So everybody is subjected to the forces that they were born into. Like everybody is born somewhere and inherits part of your being as a human is your societal obligations, your duty to others, because man is a political animal. And I think that that is demonstrable scientifically, logically, historically, you know? So that's why I believe that taxes aren't theft, okay? So why I'm not libertarian is because I don't believe taxes are theft. As society gives unto you, so you give unto society. And if you think that society is never given anything to you, then watch Tarzan, you know? So, or watch Sentinel Island. Check out Sentinel Island. So, yeah. I don't believe in the idea of the self-made man. And that's why I'm not a full libertarian. But I do believe in sacred rights. Now, for that, I'll segue into what I mean by sacred. So my bias, I am not religious, really. I'm um, I oscillate between how religious how religious I am. Um, I used to be OK. I went through a phase. I was raised 
I was I went through a phase where I was evangelical Christian in youth. And then that went away when I was about 13, 14. And then I was very, very aggressively. Well, I was just like a standard agnostic for until I was like 18 or 19. And then I was very, very anti-Christian for a long time. Um, until like four or five years ago. And now I'm not anti-Christian anymore. So um, I'll, I guess I'll talk about like my biases in terms of religion in the sense of like I am still my personal faith is best described as agnostic and I believe that Christianity, or at least the story of Christ, the story of Jesus, is a useful medium to communicate a lot of spiritual truths. So I respect and admire Christianity for some of the things that it has preached and brought to the world. But at the same time, I'm very, very critical of Christianity, especially organized Christianity. So you're not going to hear me compliment the Mormon church. Um, you're not going to hear me compliment, you know, televangelists or things like that. Like I'm opposed to those kinds of things. But at the same time, like, I'm also like I'm I'm pretty close with a Catholic priest, for example. So I'm not like opposed to all religious people. Like I'm much more um I'm much I'm much closer to religion and religious people than any of my secular friends that I have because I was raised religious and so I understand them and I understand their language. You know? And I think about the, the same things they do, even if I've come to different solutions. And I've found that religious people, you know, what I'll say about my personal faith is that I'm on a journey and I want to know the truth. So most religious people will respect you if you say that you are seeking the light. You know, because especially like, you know, they want to convert you to their faith. So my attitude towards a lot of religions is, well, let's hear it then. Why is your faith? Why is your faith the best one? Why is your faith the only one I should follow? And then they tell you and then some of them are better than others. So. Basically, I'll segue into I'll summarize with. I'm an agnostic who does not believe that all religions are created equal. Some religions are better than others. Um, and the more organized a religion is, the more problems it can have. But at the same time, 
Heaven's Gate and Jonestown were not organized. Really, you know, especially not Heaven's Gate. So you can have dangerous religious groups that lead to death that are that are not organized or centralized or big or large, you know? Like I think in modern times, I think in modern times the Catholic Church is an overall positive force on the world and humanity, and that's a big statement, but that's that's why I'm friends with it. I probably couldn't be friends with a Catholic priest if I didn't um if I didn't at least believe that. So I do believe that the Catholic Church is a positive force on the world, um, especially in modern times. So, you know, so that's like my views on religion. Um, so by sacred, when I say rights are sacred, I mean that they are granted to you by, by the human condition. And the reason why I say sacred is because it's not something that's in the hands of man to take to to grant or take away like nobody can take away rights you were born with nobody can take that your your right to think your right to dream you know like your right to your own thoughts the your right to privacy in your own thoughts like um those are natural so I do believe that there are natural rights higher than just the social contract. I don't believe that rights are restricted to a social contract. I believe that a social contract has to encompass all natural rights as much as possible. And I believe that what a social con contract does is tries to enshrine natural rights with with a reasonable amount of safety provided basically you 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 give as many natural rights as you can um so with that i can kind of rapid fire because that's like my overall ideology so if you know that it's kind of easy to tell where i'm gonna come from like am i gonna be pro-Trump. No, I'm very anti-Trump. But at the same time, Ben Sass is probably my favorite senator. So I'm in that weird space where someone like Ben Sass can be my favorite senator, a very, the most conservative senator in the Senate by his voting record. But then I'm more anti-Trump than most Democrats even. So I have some but but that's because of my views on rights and natural rights and law and how our and how our society exists and what our what our goal is and everything my outlook so i'm in that kind of weird space you know like um so i like i like ben sass more than obama but i like obama more than trump but it makes sense if you, and it's actually not as rare as you would think. It's really not when you really get down to it. It's just that because it's the norm in like our kind of like our justice system and who wins court cases and stuff like it's kind of how our country is, is, 
is designed, like conceived. It's about your view, how much you want to stick to the philosophical roots, so to speak. I rank politicians by how well they stick to the philosophical roots I've described in this episode so far. And so that's why I have that sort of ranking for politicians. Um, so I guess I'll go through some quick like political issues. So like abortion, for example, I'm pretty agnostic on it. Like I can't say. I think that it's a. It's a conflict of natural rights that's brought about by nature itself. <laughs> if I had to summarize it, uh, it's it's a nature bringing about a conflict in natural rights because of the nature of pregnancy. So I think that for me, I'm agnostic on the philosophical roots of the issue. Legally, I think Roe v. Wade is pretty flimsy legally. And so I do believe that probably abortion should be decided state by state. Probably. Probably. But if I was on the Supreme Court deciding Roe v. Wade, I wouldn't know for sure. I really wouldn't. Going into it. So that's where I'm at on abortion. Um, um, guns. Guns, I'm, uh, well, as I said, I believe that the right to, the right to bear arms is like a natural sacred right. But at the same time, I don't believe that that right exists in a vacuum. No rights exist in a vacuum because man is a political animal. So I don't think that you have, you know. I don't think you have a right to a nuke. And I think you have a right to a baseball bat. And the argument comes down to, well, where does a handgun compare on that? And where does a machine gun compare? And where does a, you know? So for me personally, personally, the Second Amendment, I talk about it a lot because I am pro-Second, certainly. Um... I believe that the Federal Firearms Act from the 30s should be repealed. So I believe that suppressors and full auto should be legal to own for law-abiding citizens. And I think that it should be very hard for non-law-abiding abiding citizens to find to get their hands on a gun. So basically, I think law-abiding citizens should be able to get pretty much whatever the hell they want and criminals shouldn't be able to get anything no matter how hard they try. And our laws should be designed to make that a reality. So that's the Second Amendment. The Fourth Amendment, um, I'm less, I'm less into, I'm in between a, a full privacy techno file, techno file. And Bill Barr. So, like, Bill Barr doesn't believe in much of a right to privacy at all. Former Attorney General Bill Barr. And then 
you know, someone like a crypto enthusiast might believe in pure and utter privacy, like in everything. And I fall in between because privacy has great costs. It enables so much evil. So I have a lot of moving metrics. And um, unfortunately, as horrible as it is to talk about and think about, Things like child abuse are really, 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 really common and going up and rising. And stuff like the right to privacy allows these people to trade their child pornography and all that with complete impunity on accessible apps like WhatsApp and stuff. So, you know, I don't believe in an absolute right to privacy. I think it's case by case. So if you want to know kind of where I'm at, I don't think the police should be able to search your phone when they arrest you just because they want to. But at the same time, I think that. um, Well, I don't know how you should legislate end to end encryption, but I do think that end to end encryption has very real serious cost to society that people don't want to talk about often enough. And and also for totally anonymous cryptocurrencies like Monero. There's a lot of evil committed with those technologies. So, yeah. Um, And then, if you want to know, like, Freedom of the press, like the First Amendment, like big tech and all that. Well, the First Amendment covers a lot of stuff, but freedom of the press. um, I think that Twitter. I think that Twitter should have banned Trump probably in like 2014, 2013, whenever he started his Twitter. So I don't mind like that kind of stuff, platforms controlling their platforms. But at the same time, I do believe in the decentralization of the internet and that it's too centralized. So basically, Twitter should have the right to ban Trump, but it shouldn't matter as much as it did for like someone's Twitter shouldn't it. Twitter shouldn't be as big as it is, but it should have the rights to do what it did. So it has the right to do that, but it's too big. And we can control how big it is by our laws because corporations are nothing but a legal construction. So, like, I don't have a philosophical bias towards corporations. I just believe that it's the best way to run society is by supporting both the supply and demand side instead of just one or the other. So on economics, yeah, like I'm center left. So a lot of my views are center left. Um, on immigration, I believe that the United States should welcome all immigrants from all over the world. And I don't really believe in that hard of vetting, honestly. I feel like if someone's willing to abandon their life... To come to a country that's as metal as America, where like, you have to remember, these are people who are willing to leave everything they know behind in order to come to a place where the only way to make anything of yourself is to make something of yourself. 
So that's already a pretty hard vet. You're not going to get that many applicants who are losers off the bat from like the other side of the world, you know, but a gangster from right next to the border shouldn't be able to just walk over whenever they want to. So I believe in a secure, well-controlled border, but an overall disposition of openness toward immigration. But I certainly don't believe that it should be lawless. And I certainly don't believe that we should just let everybody in. And I certainly don't believe that we should just let everybody in on the southern border. I think that it needs to be fair. And a lot of that is influenced by my own biases because like my mom's Brazilian. And so I know how hard it is for her family to get in. And so it's like when I have family who want to get in, it feels really unfair if someone can just illegally skip the line only because they happen to be born closer to the country. I don't like that. So I like openness to immigrants, but secure and controlled. Um, man, I think that I've kind of probably like covered most of the things that I am going to be talking about. Oh, racial issues. So with racial issues, I believe that like racial issues in the United States. Um, I'll start with something like affirmative action. I believe in the reason... I understand, accept, and agree with the reasoning behind race-based affirmative action. But I believe that it infringes on the rights of people, especially Asians, to be judged, um, to not be judged according to their race. So I believe that there's kind of a conflict there. But I do certainly believe, like, for example... I do support Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the anthem. But I don't support most of the... I also think that um, BLM, for example, about a lot of the cases that they promote is wrong a lot of the time. So, like, for example, you know, you're not going to hear me say Kyle Rittenhouse should be in jail. And you're also not going to hear me say that Colin Kaepernick should have been fired. I don't believe either of those things. I'm like in the middle. Because I think that there are a lot of cases where, um, you know, things are misconstrued. And what comes out in court is often very different from what comes out on social media. And I think that people can jump the gun. But overall... I believe that BLM as a broader movement is correct about America and its history. Um and I didn't I didn't like come to that position like naturally because for me personally I grew up I've always identified as mixed race because like I said my mom's Brazilian so I'm half white and then half Latina 
or or I, I assume I'm either Hispanic or Latina is the proper term for Brazilian. As if anyone even knows that stuff. But um so I was always sort of I always sort of thought of myself as like a like an outside observer, but at the same time I, I'm basically white. And for a long time I wasn't sympathetic to BLM at all like at first in the beginning because like I looked at some of the cases and I looked at like the legal documents and stuff and I saw that things were just not being portrayed honestly but all political groups are like that of course they're trying to sell a narrative you know with everything um but basically, I don't believe that the police are. Um, I don't believe I think that it's incredibly rare for a police for a um, for a cop to. To specifically target someone. Because they're black, but I also think that it's common I think that it's almost universal for a police officer to treat a black person differently, even if it, the police officer is themselves black. So, yeah. So profiling, you know, is really bad, really bad. Um, and I think that. I think that it's. This is the thing, guys. I don't believe in the self-made man. And so I don't believe in the self-unmade man. So when I see black Americans struggling more than white Americans, I don't blame black Americans. I blame the society. Well, what happened? You have to ask, well, what happened? What? How did that happen? It's kind of like if, if, if everybody with blonde hair was richer than everybody with brunette hair, wouldn't you want to ask like, well, how did that happen? Something must have happened. And yeah, something did happen. And we still are experiencing the effects. We still are. It's ridiculous to say that we're not. The the men who killed Arbery, the men the, the men who shot Arbery were not arrested until three weeks later in 2021 in America. So yeah, you know. So, so yeah, I guess I don't even, but at the same time, I don't always, you know, I don't always support literally everything that racial activists say. So I find myself disagreeing with what racial activists say a lot, but there's like a, you know, there's, but, but, but at the same time, I find myself agreeing with their overall message. So, like, you know, if you want to know, like, where I'm at on, like, uh, critical race theory in schools, I think they should teach it. So, like, in Virginia, I would have voted, I wouldn't have voted against the Democrats because of critical race theory in schools, what they call critical race theory. I just think that, I think they're just teaching the truth, you know? I don't think, I think it's like, well, yeah, it's like teaching gravity theory, you know? <laughs> That's how I feel. Cool. So I think that that's like a pretty good segue of like what all my biases are. And then that's like a good thing. Like you should, you should, 
you should know this about everybody that you're listening to, you know? Like, I try to know it about all the people I'm listening to, because otherwise you're going to be influenced by those biases. So, cool, thank you.